to the Astro Economic Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astro Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Rob Stein. Rob, hello. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. It's always exciting. The first Friday of the month when we get the payroll report. And I think we will dive right in. I think overall, I'm going to say that in a nutshell, my view of the economy has not really changed. The labor market seems to be slowing, but slowing at a very gradual pace. And there's nothing I've seen in the jobs report, most importantly, that's going to change the Fed's mind in the next couple of months. Meaning, yeah. yeah. Right. And the revisions are going the right way. And as we were talking about earlier, it's healthy growth. So even slowing 80 miles to 60 miles, still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. You come off the highway, you know, you go to the highway and then you're riding on a regular road and you feel like you're going so slow, but you're actually going 50 miles an hour. Maybe that's right. Where we are. That's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. Let me run for the numbers real quick. Uh, we won't talk about the brick wall at the end of the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me run for the numbers real quick. So payrolls were 263,000. That's down from 315,000, but better than expected. That's still a very high pace of jobs growth, especially considering that we've made back all the jobs that we had lost in the pandemic. And before the pandemic, two and a quarter, 250, we sort of as expected and sort of the belly of the recovery. That's a pretty solid piece of growth. Unemployment rate ticked down 3.7 to 3.5. Average hourly earnings month on month were three-tenths of 1%. I think we'll come back to that in a bit. Unemployment rate ticked down as well. Weekly hours about unchanged. So overall, a pretty solid report. Right. You know what's interesting is the labor pool shrunk a little bit too, you know, 50, 60,000. Yeah, that is interesting. So, I mean, I think, I mean, I do see people like sort of trying to slice and dice that a little bit and, and you can get a little, little bit lost in the details there. But I think the most important thing to look at is the prime age labor participation rate, prime age employment mm -hmm. relation ratio, right? And that's basically as high as it's been in 20 years, right? Yeah. It's a couple ticks below where it was in February 2020. It's a couple of ticks below where it topped out in 2007. So I guess in some ways you might think, gosh, if we're still adding so many workers, we must be drawing marginal workers back into the labor pool, right? Like people who had withdrawn from the job market. There was a rush of, of quote unquote retirings during the pandemic, and now some people are unretiring. Right. We've seen that and they've highlighted it. And it's generally an older demographic too. I, there was a yep. survey about 50 plus and 30 below and the, the amount of people who are employed. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, we do have, we have got a bunch of stuff to talk about, but I'm going to say like the most important thing for our clients to know is that it just doesn't seem like there's anything in this report that can change the Fed's mind, right? The Fed has had a ton of speakers coming out since the last meeting. We had a couple of days rally in the stock market. The Fed speakers are coming out and just saying, no, like we're not changing our minds, right? Like we're raising rates. And so I don't see anything to change that. It would take a couple of, to my mind, it would take a few unexpectedly weak CPI numbers to make the Fed pause. Do you, you agree with that, Rob? I do. You're right. They're very much line in the sand, this is what we're doing, and pointing to data that it's tough to refute, other than 
the anticipation that the CPI and inflation rates come down, strong growth numbers, the stock market and housing. I think that's intentional. As we were speaking earlier, you know, even with this decline, stocks are still up double digits over the last three, four years. So I agree with that. I think the toughest thing is the anticipation or the forecast of where inflation is going. And you have a lot of dichotomy in that. You have several people saying it's going to level off right around here, a little bit lower. And then you have a different camp that thinks we're going to see inflation taper off quite dramatically. And I think that's the question mark. Where do we end up going? Because if you take it at face value, they're going to raise rates to 6%, right? Look, looking at where inflation is. If inflation goes up to 8%, 8% if it goes down to 4 they'll stop. So I do think that they're following those numbers. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly what they're doing. And, you know, it, it's tricky. I mean, there are a couple of things that are working in the favor of lower inflation. And one of which is... The healthcare, the way the healthcare is calculated, that's supposed to go from a plus to a minus over the next couple quarters. And then you have the rent part of it, which is 40% of the core, right? Is rent and over the and owner's equivalent rent. The way they calculate it, they're not trying to say what's the year over year change in rent, right? Because they want the average person's rent. And so most people right. are like, I signed my lease 18 months ago, my rent hasn't gone up at all. But when I do, so there's a little bit of lag built into that kind of by design, not by accident. You do see the private rent indices turning over a bit, but when that is going to make it into the report, it might be the fourth quarter, might be the first quarter of next year. And, you know, other things can go wrong between now and then also. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to look at, right? You're starting in the holiday seasons retail sales numbers, there's going to be a lot to look at in the numbers, uh, auto sales. So we're kind of on the same page, right? The Fed's following specific data. They're not wavering in trying to couch the data anything more than what they're seeing. And and I would agree there isn't anything that they're seeing or we're seeing that's going to change the course. And they're saying that. (laughs) So kind of case closed, right? Yeah, I don't know what the market talks itself into in terms of like the Fed's going to stop, but... The market's going to do that. The only other thing I would add on payrolls is the rate of wage growth is moderating, right? The average hourly wage growth, which is not our best measure, but it's the one that we have today because it doesn't take account compositional changes. So if you move from a low-paying job to a high-paying job, your salary went up, but that's not necessarily a sign of everybody's salary going up, right? It's just you. So they don't take that into account in the average hourly earnings that come out of the wage growth that comes out of the payroll. But those have gone from being, say, uh, 40 or 50 basis points a month, four-tenths or five-tenths, 1% every month, to down to more like two and a half or three, which is much more where they were in 2018, 2019. So I think to the extent that salary increases were driving inflation, you can expect that to moderate a decent amount. We'll see, right? It makes sense for sure. We'll see. And that opens up another idea, which is the much fabled soft landing, right? If unemployment goes up not too much, but wage growth moderates, and say some of this overhang of extra job offerings moderates, like maybe that's the recipe for a soft landing, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what they're- I mean, assuming inflation comes down at the same time, right? 
Yeah. So what's, let me ask you this question and I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I don't, but do you remember soft landing that we've had? Well, you could argue that like 2019, that's not that long ago, right? Like the Fed was raising rates and they started to cut rates. So we didn't have a recession. Like we stuff did soften and we ended up in a recession because like the world blew up. But like, but what, so John, so what was Astor doing in end of 19, early 2020, right? We were reducing our beta, I think aggressively. So I don't think we'll ever know because of COVID hit. It was a different environment and different responses. But I was sort of expecting 20, 20 to slow down drastically i think we all were if you recall back yeah. so i don't know if that would have been a soft landing maybe it would have maybe that would have been the soft landing but it looked like it was coming down you know all right so also what what about like the manufacturing recession in 2016 the manufacturing it, it, kind of fell off a cliff employment or like the overall economy slowed but didn't Stumble. I guess that they didn't generate that soft landing because rates were pinned at zero that whole time. So right, but I think you're making a great point and probably detail for another podcast. But I do believe that that was an important change in recessions and, and the economy. And I do feel that we could have sectors. I think the auto sector was it that summer or the summer after was clearly in a recession. Obviously, the energy sector during the last six, seven years. So I do think that the overall definition of a sector of a recession which is kind of everything and everybody and everyone having some yeah, sort it's, of it's, consistent, by definition it's broad is by definition is broad based right so i could see a scenario where we have kind of figured out that the broad based recessions are going to be very rare and maybe we have them in two three sectors at the same time and you could probably pick one or two right now that are clearly in a recession but you're right and to the extent that having a soft landing it's certainly easier to have a soft landing when you're only fixing four things instead of 40. So food for thought. Yeah. I, mean, I think the only sector that really looks like it is being hit so far would be housing, right? Like the housing prices have stopped rising, even if they haven't really gone down. I don't, I don't see them going down significantly. I don't think they really do that, but they might stop rising, but the housing turnover has slowed dramatically. It's not surprised with how much more expensive a new house has gotten but you know, you like to point out that there's long and variable lags for monetary policy. So maybe we haven't even seen the impact of the hikes that we've had so far. Yeah, they started yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they just started hiking rates six months ago, right? They started in March. Right. And the first two were fake. I mean, let's get realistic. You're at zero. It's like saying, wow, it's starting to warm up for spring. And then they're like, well, I went from five below zero to zero. Right. Like, you only started having it be pinch worthy in june i guess but yeah, uh, but so let's talk about the other data let's talk about the pmis etc yeah so the pmis the purchasing managers indices you go around and you ask uh, i suppose people how's business and in general like the manufacturing business is not great those are sort of at the lower end of where they tend to be not recession necessarily not like shrinking but the low end of expansion Service is a little bit more of a mixed bag. So we've got two service indices, one from the Institutes from Supply Management and one from S&P. The S&P one looks quite weak. The ISM one looks pretty strong. The difference in those surveys is who they talk to. The S&P one tends to be much more weighted towards small and medium enterprises. So is that more representative of the economy? Probably. Overall, like those are a negative the way we look at it, right? That's one of the reasons we've been cutting equity exposure this year is because of the weakness in the PMIs. 
I agree that that is one of the reasons that we've been cutting, but you can also say conversely that one of the reasons we haven't been cutting as aggressively as we could, and it's been pretty aggressive, is employment. So what happens? Does employment go from 3.5%, very, very low, to 4, 4.5, and it's still very, very low, so it's not meaningful? Or do we go from 35 to 5.5, and suddenly, wow, that's the last shoe? I don't know. The employment data that's coming out is sort of leaning towards that not happening, and I don't know if the manufacturing data is going to bottom and turn around, but it looks like we're going to have those two things going against each other, in my opinion, for longer than you think they could. I agree. Right. And so then the question is like, back to what we just said, like, do we end up with a soft landing and not have to crash the economy to get inflation under control? Or does the Fed feel like it has to engender a recession? And I think the jury's still out. You know, I feel like I think there's a little bit of a inconsistency in the markets, right? I think the stock market is priced for a very, very mild recession or no recession, just slower growth. And there's parts of the yield curve that expect the Fed to start cutting rates in 2023. And that seems like that's not going to happen without a recession, right? What's going to make the Fed cut? So those two people need to get together and figure out their story. I don't think we see those sub 1% rates for a long, long time, barring some sort of catastrophe. I just, think that just, that was clear, an experiment. That's not, that's not what's being forecast, right? Just to be clear. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, a slight I cuts in rates. No, no, no. I, I understand. And, I, and I'm kind of appreciative of the fact that we, or they realize that those zero to 1% rates, zero to one and a half, whatever that existed for a decade after the great financial crisis is going to be a very unusual period of time. I think we've moved to the next floor and up and down from here based on expansions and, and contractions, inflation and, and less inflation. I think we could say goodbye to the free money for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible, right? So we had rates anchored around zero for a long time, and now our rates going to be anchored around 4%, going up and above, above and below that. We'll see. Yeah. So, right. So there will be a so, uh, if so, great, maybe great way of phrasing it. Maybe today's the day to lock in your mortgage, right? Like maybe 666 doesn't sound so bad, right? If you know rates are going to be 8% five years from now. Right. But I think we're agreeing that if six is the anchor, so it'll be higher two years from now, lower three years from now. Like I, I kind of agree with how you're phrasing that. We're going to have a new anchor and then you can make your decisions around that. But I, I think where the new anchor is, is going to be very telling because there are risks that don't really exist at one and some good, some bad, right? The risk for investors isn't the same. The risk for banks is different. So that's why I think we're going to have a different profile than we've had over the last decade plus for the decade moving forward and strategies that increase and decrease risk assets to low risk assets, stocks when you want them, bonds when you need them are going to be way more valuable than this kind of adjust your 60-40 and gradually go from more of this to more of that. Mm, the fire and forget might not be a good time for the fire and forget. It might need people. I think it's go- over. People a little more nimble. And, and you think of anybody, can you think of any firm like that, Rob? Let's go through the alphabet. Let's start with the A's <laughs> and see if we can find that out. But, but I mean, under that topic, I do think that there's going to need to be other sources of alpha. And alpha is actual profit being generated, not just risk reduction over the next few years that you're going to have to look at. And what's interesting is 
they don't just report the Dow and the NASDAQ and the S&P anymore. They talk about rates. They talk about oil prices. They're already, from a socializing the investor base, getting them aware of other things that you can invest in. And obviously, with the advent of ETFs, which we use, you can get exposure to these. So I do think different sources of return are going to be more important than ever before for how you construct portfolios. And we subscribe to that philosophy. We look at other assets. Yeah, I think it's possible that it's going to be a good time for alternatives, though. You know, when we're talking, like it was always, they are always tricky to time some of those. So, yeah, and I wouldn't advise that. I would do what you're supposed to do, gradually go in and out of things. Don't let one day, one week, one month be a determinant of your return. And, but I agree, rounding out with what a broad term of alternatives makes sense now more than ever before. And if you look at the performance of that sector in the last 18 months, it seems to kind of be supporting that. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking about like how strong the commodity market's been the last couple of years, for example. Right. And I don't want to make any specific recommendation on an asset class. I'm just saying from an economic 30,000 foot view, it seems that diversification into other ways of getting return makes sense. Yeah. I think when stocks and bonds are having such a tough year, people might have been beaten into a state of reasonableness. I think we will leave it there. I'll be back to talk about the CPI next week. And in the meantime, if you want more of our economic analysis, you can check out the Aster website, asterim.com, IM for investment management, or you can download the Aster research app, or you can reach out to your Aster sales representative. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asteriam.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and our app is also available on the App Store and Google Play. Thank you. Aster Investment Management, LLC, is a SEC-registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change, they are not intended as investment recommendations.